Okay, and I looked up, uh, uh, oh, some of the inspiration for the beginning, uh, and there was a letter on this, there's a really cool website called Ava Geeks, and Ano, he said that uh, Tokyo 1 is destroyed, so that must be Tokyo 1 that the monster is swimming through. And then Tokyo 2 is built, but only as a decoy, because they are already building Tokyo 3. I think they're in Tokyo 3 now. Right, they are, but there's a Tokyo 2 that the monster attacks first. I see it. Or the angel. I think so. The second impact happens in the year 2000, and now we're 15 years later, so this is set in 2015. Right, okay. And that second impact is what destroys, kills half of humanity, right? Yeah, the second impact and then like the wars and famine and everything that happens afterwards. Oh, right, because we're already past a lot of that ugliness. Yeah, so, so I don't think it's all like, I don't think it's like the angels killed half of humanity, but like the fallout from all of that stuff happening ended up killing half of humanity. Yeah, and this kind of is like an interesting contrast to like Watchmen in a way, where in like Watchmen it's like, oh, like this alien invasion like unites all of humanity. And then like in this it's like half of the population dies and we finally recover. And like, yes, we build this like UN, but like the UN is basically worthless. And then this like Japanese like nerve thing is the only thing that can like actually fight this. So in the manga, they set up Shinji as this guy who like, he's never really had any dreams and he's like kind of depressed. And I think like literally one of the first like four things he says is just like, yeah, I like always thought if I just got in an accident and died, like whatever, I don't really care. That's awesome. So he's like a, a black-pilled incel. Yeah, he's like very emo. Which makes sense. He's essentially an orphan right now because like yeah. he still has his father, but his father has nothing to do with his life. Oh, that's so cool. So another thing in like the manga, so in the Japanese version, it was like, that's nerve. That's like the secret base. And then in the English version, it was like all this like sci-fi mumbo jumbo where it's like, we have like these sort of things that are like pumping in energy to there. And like, like it's like explaining the world in this weird way that like the Japanese version was just like, that's the secret base. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a lot smarter once you think about it. You don't need to explain any of these things to I, the person. Yeah, I don't know. It's just like different. It's like, huh, I wonder whose decision it was to like do that. I don't know. Oh, so I forgot until this very moment when you mentioned it, but I think Ano also directed the latest Godzilla, Shin Gojira, and it won Best Picture in Japan. Wow. Evidently, he's like uh, at least self-diagnosed autistic. Oh, Ano? Yeah. Hmm. There's also claimed he thinks like most like anime creators are like autistic. Hmm. But he claims he's like very bad at just like communicating to people. But then like, so that's like the goal of his like anime is to like be able to like tell his story hmm. like he can do it through anime but not through conversation yeah and what an interesting perspective i i hadn't thought about uh shinji on that spectrum either yeah yeah i think some people like speculate so looking at that like monster there's something that's kind of like princess mononoke to me about it, it has like these heads that are a little bit like this like 
wood head creatures that like shake their head back and forth. Oh yeah, and one of them, one of them most specifically has like a beak. It's like yeah, a yeah. Um, plague doctor mask. That type of headdress worn during the plague was when Christianity ruled Europe. Hmm. And so this new angel, which is already a not a specifically Judeo-Christian concept, they like otherworldly beings that you know appear in almost every religion. But like the the word they use, angel, is English and usually prescribes to uh, uh, Christianity. And its explosions are literally crosses, right? Hmm. I think it's some sort of uh, uh, Christian colonization imagery of Japan. Hmm. Yeah, that, that, that's very possible. One, one thing when I was doing, when I was reading the manga, I think the literal translation for the angels is like often it's like something like pupil or like disciple or something like that. Disciple? Yeah, versus like angel. I mean, like the angels are kind of like disciples of God. Sure. But that um, gives a whole other angle to think about. That's very interesting. And I wonder how many angels we get. And I wonder, oh, wow. I'm so excited now. <laughs> Not that I wasn't before. Like, I, I was looking forward to this all week. Um, all right. So episode one. Pretty awesome. It starts off with a bang. I mean, it, you, you, it starts off action, right? And we don't get to see the, the big robot fight yet. But you get to see the monster terrorizing the city and uh, conventional weaponry being used against that target. Um, which, like, there's something there, too. It's always conventional weaponry fails. Sci-fi is always this commentary that our inability to deal with these problems is not an issue of scale or force. It's an issue of imagination. Hmm. Like, this is a conflict too big for a human to do anything about. And so we literally have to put trust in or give our authority to something bigger, something alien. So, so in this show, that thing that's like bigger is these like Evas or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Which they could represent something like a cultural force or a, uh, 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 a popular movement. And there is this, and that's why they're so, I mean, we're gonna learn this soon enough, but they're kind of uncontrollable, unpredictable. And when they're at their most effective and destructive is when they are not being controlled at all. Um, mm. But it is this, it may be this uh, uh, ideologically, this concession that you have to put someone in charge. Yeah. And like Shinji is only, or Ray or whatever, whatever pilot is only in charge up to a point, right? Yeah. And it's just, so then, like, metaphorically, that could be some system of government or cultural movement or something where it's like, there are these macro things, forces that are, like, more powerful than humans. Yes. Those forces can be, like, destructive and they can be helpful and we're, like, not in control of them necessarily. Yeah, you touched upon something very interesting because suddenly it's not, he's not just a young boy because it's shonen, it, it's because in order for these things to work, society has to relinquish control to the next generation, which is a big theme that we're dealing with now. Like there are so many positions of power and traditions of thought that are the mainstay in the status quo in this country and across the world because baby boomers, that generation is holding on to them, is lo living longer than any generation before them and is able to stay cognizant and in control the reins of power longer than any generation before them, right? 
And in Japan, I assume much the same way. And so you're going to have to trust that authority, that direction to the next generation at some point. Yeah. In some ways, Japan has like the biggest baby boom generation in the world. Now, I, I don't know if actually their boom was bigger, mm-hmm. but because they've been so strict about immigration. So like um, normally, like there's, there's kind of this pyramid where like you have the most babies and then people die over time, right? So then like the older you get, the smaller the top of this pyramid is. Okay. But, but then for these countries that have had a baby boom generation, you have this like bubble right after World War II. The U.S. has filled out the bottom of that bubble by just like new young people immigrating to the U.S. Okay. But then certain countries, so Japan and like Italy is like the version in the West, haven't had a ton of immigration. And so they have like proportionally a very high elderly population compared to the young generation. Oh, wow. But right at the beginning, after regular conventional weapons fail, the first thing they do, no questions, they nuke the angel in the middle of Tokyo 2. Is that, is that Tokyo 2? What they nuke and what the, the angel is initially attacking is Tokyo 2. Tokyo 2 is built as a second city, but as a decoy. And so the UN used it as this staging ground for, like it, and it worked, the angel attacks Tokyo 2, and then the UN decides to nuke Tokyo 2, like that's a one-time use, it's not not a decoy city anymore, Hmm. Um, and it doesn't even work, right? It at best delays the angel for a little bit, and it still keys into Tokyo 3 and goes to attack it. Hmm. Tokyo 2 is a conventional above ground city, Tokyo 3 right. is specifically able to go underground, right? That, that makes sense, because then, like, Shinji is super, like, surprised when he, he sees the, like, underground stuff. He's like... Yeah! So, so I'm um, on the Wikipedia page now for Hideaki Anno. So mm-hmm. he was born in 1960. So this is, like, 15 years after the nuclear bombs are dropped during World War II. Oh, my gosh. Um... And then Neon Genesis Evangelion is like 1995-1996. So he's older than me. So I like him because he doesn't become successful until after he's my age, you know? Do you have that? Is that just like a like weird narcissistic impulse I have or do you also feel that? I had that for a while when I still thought about acting a lot. Um, I would look up, I would see a movie like someone's performance, then look up that actor and I would get angry if they were younger than me. <laughs> right? It's like, you know, good. I'm glad. I'm glad you got angry. Yeah. Um, I don't feel that way as much anymore, but I totally get the impulse. <laughs> okay. So, uh, so he didn't get popular until uh, he's, he was older than us now, right? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, so he would have been 35 when Ian Genesis Evangelion came out. So I gotta like, I gotta get going. That's what I'm saying. This better blow oh. up this podcast we're making. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> we just act like I'm the coolest thing ever. Maybe people will believe it. <laughs> Fuck, I did, I did it again. I went on a tangent. What, okay. what we're talking about right before then. Okay, so, so there was this kind of like nuclear imagery. The conventional weapons failed. Shinji leaves Tokyo 2. He's going towards Tokyo 3. Correct. And that's when, that's when they drop the bomb. 
right? Uh, and Misato stops by the side of the road because she sees that something is changing in their tactics. The, yeah, anyone who's not dead in Tokyo 2 has radiation poisoning. And Misato and Shinji probably do too, because uh, they were within like the shockwave radius. Um, so then they hobble her car, which has been busted, uh, and she just paid it off. They hobble her car to the edge of Tokyo 3, uh, and they grab a bunch of, it looks like battery packs. Um, they're kind of reminiscent of the battery packs from Akira uh, hmm. that power the, uh, 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 the laser guns they have near the end. Um, because it doesn't look like they're gasoline canisters, I, but they kind of look that way. Anyways, um, so they requisition those supplies and that gets them to Nerve HQ, but they still have to take this huge car elevator down into the underground city. So then, so they go down to this underground city, Shinji sees the city where like the buildings are literally growing downwards. So it's kind of like the exact opposite of a normal city inside this underground bubble. So they travel down to that, that headquarters. He meets his dad for the first time in however many years. Three years. He's wondering why his dad is sending for him now. And like, so how old is he? Is he like 14? 14. 15? So 14. So that means he wasn't there for the second impact. So he wasn't there the first time the angels came. So That's it's like, so weird. it's this thing that he's like heard about. And then like now for the first time, there are suddenly these giant aliens like fighting humanity. And his dad's like, yeah, like I abandoned you and now like get in this thing and like fight this giant alien. Yeah. Get in this thing and fight or leave. If you don't get in and pilot it, I have no use for you. And then he's like, I don't want to fight it. And then he's like, all right. Roll out the crippled girl. She'll fight it because you're such a pussy, son. And Ray, Ray is like, I will. I will try to fight it. I will try to get off this hospital gurney. And then Shinji's like, okay, fine. I'll fucking do it. Like, yes. uh, but like, why me? Screw you, dad. And that's a very good question. Why him? Why does it have to be him? This is like some like hero's journey shit, right? So we have these like classic myths where there's like, the chosen one who's like the only one who's like able to do this. And his dad is basically just like, you're the only one who can do this. Right. But that mythological uh, uh, construct is, is usually to uh, perpetuate ideas like divine right. Like the king is the king because he was the best, right? But if we look at it from a wider angle, it actually, I think it actually confirms that Shinji is not the hero because he has any special qualities. He's only the hero because he's Gendo's son. It's literally a genetic component. It's like, it's, it's the, because um, the scientist lady, um, we're going to learn her name. It's I, a, I looked it up. Okay. Her name is Ritsuko Akaki. Ritsuko. Okay, Ritsuko. So Ritsuko um, says that it's a 0. 0.00000 whatever, one chance that someone will uh, mesh with these Avas. But like, it is because he's Gendo's son. Well, yeah, exactly. I think it's like foreshadowing that there is a maybe yet unknown reason why he has a better chance of meshing with that mech, that Eva, than other random people. Oh, yeah. I may be getting ahead of myself. There's no spoilers, right? Everybody's seen this stuff. 
I don't yeah. know. Are we spoiler free? I think we should be roughly spoiler free. Okay, interesting. That's going to be hard to to to. Well, then maybe we shouldn't okay. be. No, maybe we shouldn't. No, be. that's fine. I understand. Well, it, it, it's going to be, it, it might be a good exercise for me to help me grow as a person to try to plan things out. I, I so, don't want to, I don't want to limit you. So spoil, spoil away. The way that they, the pilots manipulate the Avas is not at all what they're told uh, is how they manipulate the Avas. And it is not at all like there is a cockpit and it has these joysticks and things. But ultimately, those are very poor, imprecise ways to control the Ava. The Ava is specifically keying into your brain. And we have a, a clue to that in the way that the visuals appear around Shinji when he gets into the plug, yeah. when he gets into the cockpit. Because there are no actual screens inside. It's running through these different levels of simulation. And finally, it projects this series of monitors that show what's outside of the Ava, but it's really just a construct that it's creating in his head. There are no screens. Yeah, and, and they talk about this like nerve link and they show this like DNA and stuff like that. And so, yeah, maybe it has something yes. to do with Shinji's DNA itself, why he is the, the chosen one that he's been like summoned here to, to pilot. Absolutely, and, and he's a member of that next generation, which the previous generation thinks are all a bunch of black-pilled lazy people. Shinji is a stand-in for Ano, young Ano, but Shinji is also a stand-in for, I think, what the boomers in their generation think of the next generations. Shinji was born after the second impact, which means he wasn't alive and he didn't witness it, right? But he's born in the shadow of it in the same way that Ano is born after World War II, after the use of the atomic bombs. So he didn't experience it, he wasn't alive for it, but he, he grows up in the shadow of that, which of course makes a lot of people think, well, what happens to me and what happens to everyone doesn't really matter because I've been told all my life that everything could be gone in an instant. <laughs> and, and from what I've been told, it, it was all gone in an instant, right before I was born. I'm just learning about this, the angels and their destructive potential now, but my whole life I've been told about the cataclysmic destruction that can happen. So here's a question I have now. So I just was looking up the name of the show. And so Shin means new. And then, so Neon Genesis Evangelion. And so, so it's like Shin Seiki Evangelion. And oh. that means new century. So I don't know how they came up with Neon Genesis. <laughs> That's very bizarre. To try to link it in probably to the Judeo-Christian imagery. Well, so, so they both have that like Evangelion part, but it's that like Neon Genesis. I guess Genesis, like the like Bible book Genesis you're saying, that's like the Christian part? Yes. And the, the second impact is the, the second Big Bang, the second birth of the world. Like we're in a new thing now. And this is our genesis. I, I do think that there is a thing about like the fact that it's year 2000 that, that makes it somehow more connected to Jesus's death and like some reincarnation or something, right? Right. And I don't know if it's going to uh, reveal or not, and I haven't looked into it, but what's the first impact? Is that supposed to be Jesus? 
So I was just like Googling, I was trying to figure out what Genesis was in Japanese. So in the name, the thing that is like the Genesis part of Neon Genesis, the same characters are two of the characters in like what we call like the book of Genesis in English. Oh, interesting. And then I don't know what that Evangelion, that's like obviously evangelist, which is someone who like brings forth the message of heaven or brings forth the message of God. But like what is an Evangelion? Is that a someone who brings forth the evangelization? I don't know. I thought that was just an evangelist. You, You read like the English definition. A pericope of a gospel as read in the liturgy. What the fuck does that mean? Pericope. I have no fucking idea. An extract from a text, especially a passage from the Bible. Pericope. Okay. I love it. Okay, so so it's like pieces of the new text. Pieces of the new century. The new religious text century. Pretty close direct translation, if I do say so myself. Yeah, I don't know, man. Okay, so... Yeah, let's get back to the episode. So Shinji, Shinji's deciding whether he's going to pilot the thing. Well, he's actually very against it, right? And then you said they wheel out the crippled girl. Um, who's not really, who, well, I mean, she's crippled, but because she's been badly injured, um, recently. She says she's the normal pilot of the Mac. And so then he's still not going to do it. And the girl, Ray, uh, Ayanami, she's going to try to pilot Ava 01. But just then the angel above ground, uh, sets off one of its cross explosions down into Tokyo 3 causing debris to fall, which almost hits Rei Ayanami. But in a miraculous turn of events, when Shinji raises his arm to protect himself, so too does Ava-01 raise its arm and protect Rei and Shinji. And the scientists are confused because by their understanding of how this giant robot works, it shouldn't be able to do that because there is no pilot in it, but it does. Yes, everyone is surprised by this except for Gendo. Gendo. The same Gendo that was not surprised that conventional weaponry and nuclear weapons uh, did not work against the angel. That's where we're going to edit in the the music, the like scary music. Oh yeah, that's an awesome place. (laughs) He is. He's like the... If if you took the Judeo-Christian... Yahweh God figure, and you made it a a regular person, a supremely confident um, and having some special knowledge, uh, but otherwise a fallible person, it would look a lot like Gendo. Yeah, and I feel like there's probably a lot of also like Freudian shit going on that I'm kind of curious about with like fathers and mothers and whatever. Oh, definitely there. I'll have to look at the exact dates, but there is a story in the Bible so Gabriel or some angel visits Mary, right? Mary conceives Jesus immaculately, right? Without, without sexual intercourse. But that's a matter of whatever. That's a matter of debate, actually. Um, I think it isn't till Jesus is 13 that he's contacted again by 
uh, uh, Yahweh, right? The Christian, Judeo-Christian God, right? Another angel comes down and there is a story in the Bible of being visited again like that. And so Shinji is literally this, this uh, uh, Jesus Christ figure, but he, just like Gendo, he's not an abstract. He's not a story. I mean, he is to us, right? But within his own, within the anime, he's more realistic. He's what if that messianic figure uh, appeared in a generation with such a bleak worldview. And so you're connecting the dots of like, he's like the same age that Jesus would have been when Jesus figured out that he was some when he starts, one or whatever. Yeah, he's like a child teacher. And so that's when he starts proclaiming the word and essentially becomes a rabbi within his community. I'll have to look it up. It's, it, we'll, we'll need more specifics on that. But uh, it's, it's very similar. Yeah, uh, I, from, from my big understanding of it, there's like these like apocrypha, like these apocryphal texts of the Bible about Jesus as a teenager learning. Yes. He has like these like powers or whatever. And it's like almost this like weird superhero story where he like abuses his powers and like, it just like skips from like, oh yeah, Jesus is 12. And then it's like, remove those things from like the canon of the Bible, right? Right, okay, so this is that story. This is that Apocrypha. That's what Neon Genesis is. Hmm. It's like Shinji being the chosen one and like fucking up. Yes, exactly. It's not skipping, like it's, that's really cool because it already is telling a story that doesn't usually get told. Uh, we usually lead up to the climactic event and either it's a deconstructionist work and it's a sad ending and the climax or the, the cataclysm happens and like half of humanity is destroyed or something, or it's a traditionalist hero story and uh, they avert that cataclysm, right? And everyone's saved. Well, already humanity has lost in some way with the second impact. And so now we are telling the story that doesn't get told. We are continuing that, but we're also presupposing that it's kind of a cycle, right? in the same way that we get stories from generations past who saw things that we can't understand because we weren't there, we also have a new mythology, a new understanding of the world coming after that cataclysm in a similar way that like a new Bible would be written. Hmm. So so what do you mean when you say cataclysm and what do you mean when you say that it's like cyclical? Okay, so the second impact is the cataclysm. It's this, we're gonna get into it at some point, it's gonna explain some of it, but it's like, it's kind of like an explosion and it, I don't know, causes some sort of damage to humanity's infrastructure, which causes resource shortages, which causes uh, uh, ethnic wars, which causes you know all this stuff that's led up to this point of stability in 2015. Um, but uh, before that, there was another impact. And the world between the first impact and the second impact, that's a new cycle, a new uh, telling of the story of humanity's history, I guess. And if we were to be able to look back before the turn of BCE, before Common Era to Common Era, um, we would have uh, uh, essentially an impact zero if we could get information back far enough. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, I think so. And, and I, so I think there is this question of like, by calling it the second impact, then you're like, wait, what was the first impact, right? if 2000 is like the second impact and like these angels coming or whatever. Yeah, and I wonder if it's left ambiguous because it could be 
Christianity rising, it could be the first use of nuclear weapons. That could be the first impact. Hmm. Um, and maybe we'll get there, but maybe it's left ambiguous, not so that it can be confusing and there's no real answer, so that the answer can literally be both. And, and then what we're seeing now, I guess that's sort of like the third impact or something like that, or maybe not even necessarily, maybe this is just like a follow-up of the second impact. Yeah, there's reverberations of the second impact, definitely. But I think we're leading up to the third impact, um, that these angels represent crises that will eventually culminate in a new revolution, which will be either uh, destruction of the species or transcendence to a new level of social organization or consciousness, or both. These angels represent crises Global warming and all the effects that creates, increased tsunamis, increased hurricanes. And that's kind of what the, the giant monster genre has always been able to represent in J Japan. Um, like right from the very beginning, Godzilla is both, uh, or Gojira is both uh, natural force and atomic power, right? Its origins are left ambiguous enough, or it is the synthesis of those two things that allows it to represent both. And it seems that it is still representing both in this anime. That's really cool. Yeah, and, and so in this anime, it's the angels that are kind of like representing both of those things. Right, exactly. Because um, they are essentially the monster of the week for this uh, anime, right? And they're each of them, I think is going to have deeper symbolism than say Ultraman's monsters of the week or the a similar thing like that. Uh, but it's comforting and interesting narratively that you can make this identifiable representation of them as opposed to in reality, they're far more ambiguous and nebulous concepts, these problems like global warming. Well, what does that mean? It means this carbon thing, but it's not just the carbon thing. It is the effects of that carbon thing. You know, whereas in an anime or in a sci-fi thing, you can make a monster to represent that. You can make something that yeah. people understand easier than this, this concept that's too big to imagine. You give them something that's just big enough to imagine, a giant monster. Yeah, yeah. Maybe there's this like intellectual level we can kind of understand crises like climate change but intuitively we can't really like come to grips with it but you can almost i think you were saying like like personify isn't quite the right word because you're not turning into a person you're turning into a monster it's like monsterifying it or kaijufying it yeah yeah and, and then the this creature can be like the representation of this anxiety or whatever so this is like 1995 so i don't know like what the what the existential terror would have been then exactly oh i don't know the year 2000 the the unknown future mm. i guess japan had like this awesome economy in the 1980s that then collapsed at some point bubble economy mm. like you know so in, in the west we had this fear so in things like um like blade runner and stuff like that Johnny Mnemonic, there was this idea that like, oh, the future is Japanese. I think in the same way that now today we're often like, oh, the future is going to be Chinese. They're mm. going to be like the next superpower that's going to like take over. Yeah, I guess the economic bubble in Japan was 1986 to 1991. And then that like burst in 1992. So like Japan was maybe kind of like leading the world economy. 
were like poised to lead the world economy. And then all of a sudden that kind of like fell apart. This is like three or four years after that. So, so this anime is created in the shadow of a, a, a economic bubble burst. Yeah. I guess there's one bubble burst that happened. I'm looking online. There's black Monday, October 19th, 1987. I guess that was like a world depression that happened right as we were born, basically. June 19th, 1987. I don't know anything about this shit. We have to research it. We are <laughs> Shinji. Do you get it? <laughs> I do think we're, we're basically like, I think we are probably like around Shinji age when you're watching it and stuff. Exactly. It's turning out to be a much more interesting meta piece than we could hope to understand at that age. And now we can go look up these things and it leads us down these holes that let us put the pieces together. In something I read about this episode, Ano said he was the person who was running away. Like that line, don't run away, that's a thought he had that Shinji has. He had that thought to himself at some point that he had just been running from everything he had to do and couldn't accomplish, couldn't complete anything uh, for like four years. And he had this uh, turnaround moment where he said, you can't run away anymore. And that changed, you know, his life, maybe made it harder for him because it, uh, he couldn't, you know, things would now, they would have friction now. You, you would have to grind yourself against the whetstone of history. Yeah. And I, and I guess that's something that will like become interesting as we go through the series, because I think famously they run out of time and resources in the production of this show mm. and the ending isn't what they wanted it to be. Yeah, so I guess maybe that's it for uh, episode two of Pen Pen Pals. If you guys have any thoughts, any comments, please let us know. Email us at penpenpalpod at gmail.com or tweet us at penpenpalpod. And then I was thinking too, something that could be fun is like, if we do think of any kind of like segments or things where it's like, I think one thing that I've found interesting so far in listening back to the first one is like the stuff about like the different religious imagery or like influences, like you're talking about those earlier animes and stuff like that. Mm. That stuff I thought was super cool. Um, okay, so like a religious segment and then like a anime callback segment. I don't, I don't know, yeah, I don't know, like I don't have any concrete ideas, but just something like that where maybe there would be like, these are things that will show up in multiple episodes. I'll try to solidify my thoughts on it and maybe make a proposal to you about a guest. I think it would be cool. Yeah, yeah, I think for sure. And maybe we could try like reaching out to some weird internet people too. What's the cliffhanger for the second episode? Like, should it just be like, oh man, Alex, I gotta tell you something crazy about blah, blah, blah. And then we just have an episode right there. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh... Oh yeah, I forgot. We were gonna look up stuff about the tree of life. I'll totally, we'll, we'll get into that next episode. Next time on Pen Pen Pal Posh. And it'll just be like the Sephiroth music playing. Oh, that's cool. That's really cool. <laughs> that's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, but we have- We'll notes tomorrow and be like, what are you, what are you talking about? <laughs>